Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast, Rich Idea for Idea, where I interview founders about how they got their successful startup idea and went on to validate it. In this episode, I'm talking to Yurjeev Sota, who is the co-founder and CTO of Yieldigo. Yieldigo offers a SaaS platform that empowers retailers to obtain key insights in real time based on their data whenever they need it. This helps retailers to make informed decisions and optimize their pricing strategies without breaking the bank. It's founded back in 2016 and is already a multi-million dollar company. Lots of great insights in this episode, so stick around. Hi, Yuji, how are you? Hi, fine. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thanks a lot for being on the podcast. So how about we start with some background about yourself? I believe you founded several startups before Yieldigo and successfully exited a couple of them. Could you tell me more about that? Actually, I founded uh, six startups. This is this is the sixth one, and uh, already exited two. Uh, the rest startups uh, are are bad. So it's not only about uh, success uh, exits, but sometimes it's necessary to to let the startup die if it makes no sense and if there's no space for growing. So uh, this is where it starts. Actually, my uh, entrepreneur journey starts, I think, uh, when I was 30. Before that, I, I was working in uh, quite big corporations like you, so IBM, uh, Cessna, uh, Mall. So it was completely different uh, kind, of, uh, kind of job. And, and uh, in my last work, it, uh, when I was uh, chief engineer in, in Mall, uh, we realized with my friends to start our first company. It was a startup in these times because nobody used a startup, uh, startup name. Uh, so we started uh, this company with, with our own uh, money and, and uh, doing things after the regular work. So it was very, very slow progress. Mm-hmm. But uh, we've got uh, several experiences here, uh, and uh, we were able to build a quite a good mobile application studio. And then, then uh, we sold it to big uh, company Dentsu. It's it's quite a big marketing uh, player in the whole Europe. So th- this was very beginning. Then uh, continue uh, with with the startup uh, Billeto, uh, which. It's it's hard to consider it as a big success, but it it is success in in some in some manner. And what was this company doing? What was the service? Uh, in in this company, uh, we are providing software for public transportation companies, so for bus operators, train operators, and uh, our mission was at start to to create an, a network that. Uh, uh, saying uh, you you will be able th- through through this network to buy a ticket for why the public transportation from any location to any location, and we were able to combine things so similar like Kiwi, uh, but for buses and trains. Uh, it was about 2012, 2013, uh, and it was very hard because uh, once we started. Uh, the Czech railways, the big company, start suing us, and uh, <laughs> so 
uh, let's say we we sold uh, about 10 20 tickets per day of, of their tickets and uh and then beca we became a big problem for them so so they uh starting uh, fight against us so let's <laughs> say uh we had to change uh, the the way of uh of, of the product uh, and then uh, we, we were we was more focused on b2b so uh, we uh a system for bus operators mm -hmm. uh, based on uh, the previous software and uh, I think uh, till these days everybody is using this software so partially I, I considering it as, as some success because when I'm buying ticket in uh, Arriva train they are still using the application that I wrote oh that's so cool and yeah. then and then we found it Yieldigo so actually in this uh, previous company uh, the little uh, our team or well, most of our uh, funding team meet and uh, started this new project. And were you all co-founders also of that startup or some of the others were normal employees? Uh, all co-founders were, were from my previous company and I think just two of two of employees or no, three of employees started with, with us these days. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, so it seems like, I mean, you have a lot of experience, which obviously obviously shows that you're very good at identifying problems or gaps in the market um, and then brainstorming the solutions for them and developing it. So when it comes to Yieldigo, what made you think, uh, first of all, what exactly is the problem that you were solving at the beginning? It could have evolved now because you have a lot of features, but what was it at the beginning and how did you find this problem? Hey, uh Actually, we've combined together our, our knowledge. Uh, so we, this is where we found, uh, say, the space to, for uh, searching uh, where, where the problems can be. So we combined uh, the experience from uh, pricing management, which uh, have two of my co-founders, because in uh, the previous company, we've created yield management for public transportation. So it's basically something similar, but not the same. Mm -hmm. uh, before that, uh, I, I designed many things uh, for, for the malls, so for a whole mall group in, in the Europe. So I had many experience from the retail world and together uh, we uh, did, did that things and say, okay, uh, is there anything that we can uh, improve uh, it, uh, related to retail and, and pricing. And we realized that th there, there are not uh, so much good solutions, almost nothing. There were some uh, quite old solutions from 2003, 2005. So quite old fashioned these, these days. And on the other side, there were big companies, big retail beasts that they uh, they are managing prices in the excels uh, and uh, we realized okay there is a there is a space how, uh, where we can innovate something and where we can develop new ways how to manage the prices uh, by uh, by using mathematics and this is where it starts and and did you talk to those um retailers so i you know i assume that uh, you were thinking of like what what's the next thing for us and you thought of retailers since you know it's a 
big industry, perhaps you've worked with them in the past. And so did you actually talk to any retailers to find out what solution they use at the moment? Of course, of course. Uh, we were quite lucky at the start uh, because uh, one of our first partners was, was Logio. Then uh, they also put some funds into us. And it, it's quite uh, it's quite big and successful company uh, providing services for retail chains. So uh, they already had uh, some conversations uh, with retailers and bring us here at, at it. We we just tried at start uh, to uh, to make some forecasts. What what will happen in the future based on their previous data? Uh, and we realized that we are able to to do it and do it quite precisely. Sure. So this company actually, uh, because you were friends, you know, you had some connection. They trusted you with their data, and then you kind of used their data as your playground to see what you can predict. Oh, exactly. They convinced uh, their clients or their potential clients, big retail chains, uh, to give us data. Try uh, it. So. Yeah. So. A lot when it started, and then we realized that we we can uh, forecast many things, but based on uh, the hist history of data, and once we are able to forecast the future, we are able to a bit alter the future related to prices. So uh, then uh, we uh, started with building new ways how to uh, let's say. Uh, how to manage pricing strategy of the retailer. And the, the biggest thing that we brought is uh, that uh, the retailer uh, will know in advance what will happen if they apply their pricing strategy. So we are not pricing consultants. We, we don't tell them which pricing strategy they should use. We will tell them what will happen if they use it and uh, what the results will be. And that's that was the game changer for them. It was like crystal ball mm -hmm. at the start mm -hmm. right and so you use their data their clients data to see you know if you can build this tool um i presume that you had developers working or any of the founders um so technical that they actually built it themselves or did you have to hire engineers of course we have uh, hired engineers but let's say the first version was built by uh, three of us plus yeah. let's say two more people now we have quite big engineering team, very, very good, uh, specialized in, in uh, processing huge amounts of data. Uh, and at the, at the start, we have also our R&D department focused only on the mathematics processing. Mm -hmm. So they are looking for a new ways how to process data, how to understand uh, customer purchasing behavior. So uh, now we are quite complex company with, with many processes. Of course, we started uh, in in three, four people in in uh, at home basically. <laughs> so I'm very interested in how uh, how you got the first product off the ground in terms of getting customers to pay for it. So you you were able to build this MVP. Um, how did you go about actually selling it to companies, and how did you go about the pricing? So this was like something new on the market. How did you know how to price it? Yeah. Uh, actually, we, we were able to build it quite fast, about three, four months from, from the start of the company. Uh, we, we delivered 
happens to the first client, which which was one billion company uh, retailer in Czech Republic. Uh, and and sorry, just uh, just on this point, uh, I'm also interested in how how companies get their first client. So, how did you get your foot in the door, and how did you find the right person to talk to who would make the decision that they should pay for your product? Uh, actually, uh, it, it was partially a luck uh, because uh, the CEO of, of that company was originally a mathematician. And he perfectly understands the things that we are doing. So once we were able, uh, able to convince them that this is working, uh, he, he put a lot of trust in us and just try. So yes, it, it, it wasn't uh, uh, some special strategy from uh, or from our side. It was we we were lucky. Mm -hmm. And did you? Uh... Did, did you just send an email to that person telling him, you know, we have this product which we think you may like, or how did you initiate the contact? Uh, actually, through our first investors, we've been connected, so that w that was part of uh, some some first steps. So without that, uh, it, it 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 will be very very hard to to uh, have these contacts because. Uh, you you can't just cold mailing CEOs of, of the companies. Uh, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Simply, in most of the cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, cold emails have a very low response rate, don't they? So it's uh, seems like most companies are getting their first client through connections. Actually. Yes. Yes. Same. Same here. Uh, actually, most of. Uh, but but it's not only about uh, the cold mailing. Uh, many people have meet on 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 some uh, congresses and, and small places. So sometimes uh, we are able to convince them there uh, and start some relationship. But you know, uh, it's it's took uh, uh, takes a lot of time to to build this relationship until they are ready to, to buy something from, from quite small company. So this is why the starts are very, very hard. Now, now it's quite easy because we have many, uh, listing in Gartner. Um, we all, we already have many clients, many big clients through all the war. So now it's quite easy to, uh, to tell them here are 20 references. You can choose anyone and, and how it is working there without anything uh you to build a trust on uh on the people in, in the company that that's all you have mm -hmm. do you have any advice on how to do that because that's a very like pain point for entrepreneurs just starting so you mentioned you know obviously you were very lucky that the person you were talking to is a mathematician and he understood the proposition but do you have any advice are there any tips which you did which you think improved your chances of course, you need to improve chances to also to to, to be lucky. Uh, at first, you need to work on that. So without that, it doesn't work. So uh, do not hesitate uh, to to talk with people and to uh, introduce them visions and new uh, ways how to resolve their problems. But at first, to listen to them, what the real problem is. Because most of the startups starting with creating a so brilliant solution without the real problem. And 
once you are able to address uh, the real problem, uh, you will find that uh, the people on the other side will pay for resolving that problem. And by this transaction, uh, you have uh, confirmed that the problem is is real. It's not only something that it's interesting for them. I, I'm interested. I want to hear more. No, if they pay for the resolving problem, you get the problem. Mm -hmm. This is this is my my rule uh, that I'm applying all, in all the businesses, and it works. So when it comes to your past businesses, um, how did you identify problems? Was it the area that interested you? You would do some research, or was it you know from the start you would start talking to potential customers? And also, I'm interested in what questions you were asking to identify the problem. Because I think a lot of questions can be uh, leading, you know, like you can ask a question to get a certain answer, but then it's very biased. And mm, of course, so uh, I'm typically starting uh, with uh, with discussion uh, with with people in let's say in higher or middle management uh, in some area and discussing with them uh, what. Uh, what is, what is the let's say most common problem they are they are typically solving, and then uh, thinking about the ways how to how to resolve it, how to improve it, and if there is a potential to to sell the solution somewhere. Because sometimes uh, you can find the real problem. Uh, for example, uh, in in our previous company, in this public transportation, we we really found a problem, but they were not able to pay for uh, the resolution because uh, uh, we want to create some uh, or put some IT systems into bus operator companies, but they didn't have any IT before. Mm -hmm. So you are not replacing the old things, you are creating new one. And mm -hmm. uh, that is possible, but uh, the journey is much longer and you are fighting against uh, non-existing budgets. and. That, that's that's the heart. So uh, so now I'm trying to find if there uh, some budget already exists. If not, uh, it's it's very long journey to convince someone that they should create it because uh, it will be a great uh, huge trend in in next five years. Mm -hmm. I see. I see. Um, so going back to pricing, I'm sorry I, I interrupted you when you were talking about that. How did you approach pricing for the initial product with the first customer? It was one of the things, how to, how to price price products when you don't have nothing. Basically, uh, you can approach, uh, or uh, our approach was to find some value behind it. So uh, we were able to, uh, let's say, to, to count uh, which, which Parts of the, of the pricing process uh, will be covered by the software, so there are some savings based on that. You can save uh, some. It's called shrinkage. Uh, if you have good prices, uh, uh, there will be uh, less waste of, of the products uh, that will expire at the start. So putting all of these things together, we were able to um, calculate some uh, some estimation of, of the value and based on based on that we created the price and the price should be something like one tenth of, of the values uh, uh, that it brings something like this 
-hmm. Of course, uh, a few years later, uh, we, we realized that uh, it must be very easy uh, and the price list must, yeah. uh, let's say, consist some, some so of some modules and uh, it must be very easy to understand to client uh, why they're paying for, for that and how to uh, say it, how to put it together and when they uh, can get some discounts and where it's not possible and why mm -hmm. so it, it it's 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 a long process to to tune it uh into right shape and it never ends actually so now, what's your most recent pricing model? Do you have different tiers for how big the company is? Uh, of course, there are, there are some there are some tiers based on the company size because you you need a different focus for a company that uh, has two two billion euros turnaround and completely different if they have one uh, million uh, one uh, one hundred millions uh, of euros turnaround. So. You, you will consume completely different resources. You, you need different teams. So based on that, you need to scale it up. Mm -hmm. I see. Uh, so we have a few minutes left and I wanted to end this by asking uh, a question regarding kind of letting go of a company. So obviously, you know, identifying the problem to solve, um, how to, how to solve it takes a lot of time. How do you know that it's time to uh, let go of an idea? Because I presume that, uh, you know, you have to make sure that with a problem, enough companies have it and the solution is scalable. So my question is, you know, when do you know when to kind of give up on the idea versus even if you're going through difficulties, uh, persevering and, and trying and trying and trying? Uh, for me, it's related to, with, with market fit. Uh, if I see there is a market fit, uh, I believe it makes sense to invest more energy and more money into product. And what the market fit means for me, uh, there is a there is a clear evidence that it's possible to sell the product to client to more than one client. Once there is this evidence, uh, it's simply possible to sell it to anybody else. Uh, when uh, once uh, founders are uh, thinking that uh, they are not uh, able to sell any uh, any license to to client, and they they will hire any salesman and uh, he will do it uh, instead of them. It doesn't work. I've never met a salesman that uh, resolved this problem until it it was possible to do it, and it it must be by founder. So probably this is. Uh, this is yeah. so, so the founder themselves has to know how to sell because ultimately they are the ones who are discovering if there's product market fit and without being able to communicate to the customers and try to close the deal they won't know they won't have the answer they don't know uh, they call, uh, founders typically don't know and they are not good salesmen basically but they uh, they should convince their future clients with their passion, uh, with their trust in the product and risk something. And once this is possible, then it makes sense to, to start uh, building sales organization. Uh, but if, uh, if the founder, it's not, can't convince anyone else to buy it. I, I don't believe that, uh, any, uh, anyone else, uh, 
we will do it. Mm -hmm. Of course, there are, there are some uh, exceptions as, as always, but in most of the cases, uh, when I when I see that the, the, this situation, uh, it ended up with uh, with a bankrupt. Yeah, well, the, the founder is the face of the company, right? So even if you have the top salesman on uh, your team, you're the one who's out there doing publicity or talking to the CEOs of the of the companies of your clients. So if you don't know how to sell, they're going to be put off because ultimately you're the face of the organization. At the end of the day, you are, and you need to build relationships because you are, at the end of the day, you are not selling only product. You are selling the whole story and, and, uh, and the relationship is, it's part of that, especially in B2B. It, it, it's not only about the features of product because when we will compare only features, uh, we will be probably, uh, one of the best pricing softwares in the world. But, uh, honestly, customers don't care about features much. They care about, uh, you, your story. And once you build a trust, uh, they, they will go with you. Sure. Well, we are out of time. Unfortunately, I want to thank you so much. This was such an insightful conversation. I wish you all the best with Yoldigo and let's stay in touch. Thank you very much.